Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Filmcast, a podcast about movies. My name is David Chen, and at last, a movie for men. <laughs> <laughs> Joining me today is Devinder Hardwar. Oh man, that's a uh, that's a pretty good one. Um, you know what? This podcast is not a metaphor. It's uh, it's all text, baby. All text. <laughs> no subtext whatsoever. No subtext at all. And Jeff Kanata. I'm Jeff Kanata, and this week. It's raining, man. Hallelujah. <laughs> it's really some sort of liquid. Yeah. Those are, of course, all extremely vague references <laughs> to the fact that today we're going to be reviewing Alex Garland's Men on the podcast, along with Hui Chen Bui from SlashFilm.com. Look forward to that conversation later on in the show. Uh, we're going to do some more. We've been watching some weekly plugs for you before then. You can find more episodes of this podcast at thefilmcast.com. Email us at SlashFilmcast at gmail.com. And support this podcast at patreon.com slash film podcast. Uh, I, I will have a word about that. But first, a quick correction. Last week on the podcast, uh, we indicated that Made for Love uh, was not was not going to be released weekly. Uh, but in fact, it is. And we got many corrections for that. So sorry about that. Okay. Made for Love, season two, is releasing and it is in still, weekly It chunks. is still being released. Um, I have not seen the entire, the rest of the season. But uh, you know, my judgment stands for what I said. <laughs> fair, fair enough um but yeah. uh, you know i always appreciate getting the corrections because yeah, yeah. it means people are holding us to a high standard and people are still listening to the show so thank you for the corrections and people and care about made for love season two in some way uh, apparently apparently yes so the, every single one of those steps is a smaller step in the funnel um <laughs> but uh a lot of people did ping us about that so sorry about that mistake made for love season two streaming right now on hbo max uh, and episodes are being released weekly um okay I wanted to mention a couple of programming things. First of all, if you are a supporter at patreon.com slash film podcast, which we'd strongly encourage you to do if you like this podcast, um, you will be getting our review of Top Gun Maverick early. Uh, we will be recording it shortly and releasing it to everyone early um, whenever we can. I should point out that uh, that will be the that will be the totality of that episode is just that review. Uh, we're going to take it a little bit easy because it's a holiday weekend. But yeah, Top Gun Maverick, uh, early for patrons. Uh, and you can sign up to, to get that at patreon.com slash film podcast. Speaking of which, uh, this week on the After Dark, we're going to be co uh, covering uh, Top Gun, the original, original flavor Top Gun, uh, the movie that came out in 1986. Directed by Tony Scott. Uh, that is going to be the topic of this week's After Dark. We're going to be doing a rewatch. I've really enjoyed doing these with you guys. It's always fun to kind of think back at what was going on at the time mm -hmm. uh, and reflect anew on an old film. So why why uh, to think it's been almost forty years too? Good God! Yeah. yeah. Wow. Huh. Yeah. 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 Um, but Patreon.com/slash/filmpodcast where you can sign up for exclusive After Darks as well as ad-free episodes, and that is where you're going to be able to get our After Dark about Top Gun. Uh, which we'll be releasing this week in preparation for Top Gun Maverick. So uh, just some programming notes before we get into what we've been watching. All right, folks. Well, let's get into it. What we've been watching this week. Uh, I had a chance to watch Chip and Dale Rescue Rangers on Disney+. Plus. Now you're yeah. playing, sing the theme song. Ch -ch -ch Chip and Dale, you know, that, right? Yeah. Yeah. When danger. Rescue <laughs> Ranger, Chip and Dale. Um, yeah, uh, so this is on Disney Plus, and Jeff, you had a chance to watch it as well. Now, Jeff, did, did you watch this movie with your with your kids? I did. We had to 
movie night, uh, which I, I think I've mentioned <laughs> on the podcast before uh-huh. that uh, uh-huh. the house that I that we moved into here in Colorado has an actual movie theater in it. Yeah, you've got an AMC in the basement. Yeah, yes. we do. Yes, uh, it was the only way to get closer than across the street was to have mm-hmm. it in my house. Mm-hmm. Um, I have a uh, a soon to be six year old and a just turned four year old. Completely uninterested in ever setting foot inside my glorious wow. movie theater. Wow. We do movie night, and they beg to do it upstairs in the living room wow. on the regular TV in the living room. That's, I'm, I'm sorry, Jeff. Like This must hurt you deeply. Like inexplicable, Devintra. I, I don't understand I introduced my daughter <laughs> to our, our like little home theater uh, or home projector setup, and uh, now she's always asked me, I, I want to go to the big screen. I'm gonna go to the basement, and she will sit there and watch an entire Miyazaki movie. So I, I, well, don't know. I think sorry, Jeff. I think we've determined which is the better parent here. Yeah, and it's. I mean, I I'm schooling her the right way, Jeff. Yeah, <laughs> I, my kids are are spoiled. I was like, do you have any idea what I would have given to have a movie theater in my house? As a they'll kid. learn. They'll learn. Anyway, All right, so, so I want to hear what your kids thought about Chippendale Rescue Rangers, but first let's talk about what you and I thought of Chippendale Rescue Rangers, right? Sure. I mean. I don't know about you, but I used to watch this car- this cartoon, yes, this animated 100%. series, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, when I was a kid. Um, this is a uh, movie directed by uh, Akiva Schaefer, um, and kind of the Lonely Island did a bunch of work on this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, Akiva well, Schaefer, of course, has been responsible for movies like uh, Pop Star, Don't St- Never Stop, Never Stopping. Uh-huh. Directed that movie, a extremely enjoyable. Yeah. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Um, and and Hot Rod. Uh, <laughs> this movie, you know, pop star never stop never stopping is to the pop music industry as Chip and Dale Rescue Rangers is to animated films. Right, right, right. I am so it is this kind this. of yeah. meta commentary satire about the state of animated movies in today's industry. It and, is. It is the movie Ready Player One wishes it was. Mm-hmm, it's the mm-hmm. movie. Free Guy wishes it was. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It is the movie all of these aspire to be. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it is hugely enjoyable. It's hugely, hugely enjoyable, right? enjoyable. It is a triumph. It is so much better than it has any right to be as a friggin' Chippendales movie. <laughs> it is. I, I I will be surprised if this doesn't make my top ten at the end of the year. Mm-hmm. I liked it mm-hmm. that much. Yeah. I and think we're, it we're, is. we're in a good renaissance, by the way. I just talked about the DuckTales reboot, and I know yeah. they, they kind of make an appearance in here, and Chip and Dale's shows up in DuckTales, but good times for people who like those Disney shows. Yeah. Well, th- th- it's, it's more than that. 80s, yeah, if you're mm-hmm. an 80s kid, right, yes. like, this movie is complete catnip for you, because mm-hmm. there is just so many references and cameos in this film. Um, the mm-hmm. commentary is like smart too. It's it's really like brilliant stuff in here brilliant. about not only the state of the industry but about the state of animation itself. Yeah, this seems uh, like the closest we've of, gotten to uh, Who Framed Roger Rabbit once again, right? Basically, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah the, right. it, 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 I think it outdoes Who Framed Roger Rabbit Ooh. on every level. It is it is a movie okay. that is set in the real world where every type of animation coexists. Uh, yes, three D animation cell drawn animation, stop motion animation, claymation. It, it all exists in this world, in the Chippendales world. And Chippendales Rescue Rangers was a show that Chip and Dale did yes. in this world. Yes. Uh, so it is, it is meta on every level. The, 
the thing that Dave, that you and I often love to delve into with these kinds of things, which is the the nitty gritty of how this fictional world would work. You know, mm-hmm, the cars mm-hmm. worlds, the all of the Pixar worlds. Like, what if, if there really were, you know, anthropomorphized toys and they got up and walked around? Like, what would that mean? This movie does such a good job of exploring the little nitty gritty of those interactions between regular sized humans and tiny little chipmunks that are human like mm-hmm. uh, it's it's so smart on all those aspects and and i would i would argue it sort of single handedly makes a case for the giant corporate consolidation of all properties <laughs> <laughs> which well this is why i have not seen the movie yet but who framed roger rabbit was a goddamn miracle in terms of like bringing together separate ips this one, like, it's all the same company at this point, right? Yeah. Are right. they reaching out? Yeah. And no, I mean, there's yeah, a, a, a there's staggering. Some I know. It's a yeah, staggering outside. Yeah. Yeah. Staggering number of things that are that you would never think that a Disney movie would reference, and I don't want to yeah. spoil any mm-hmm. of them, but it is a. There are some extraordinary deep cuts, there, not just yeah. from the a lot Disney. of it's been floating around Twitter. I'm like, okay, I will watch the movie for this thing. Yeah. I mean, it's not just it's not just Disney deep cuts. It's like. Mm-hmm. Any animation you have ever experienced as a person that lived through the 80s and 90s and and beyond. It's it's extraordinary. Oh. And it's so smart. And it's so funny. I mean, it is very funny, I think, for adults. For adults. I'm looking like, forward to the Ralph Bakshi uh, you know, references too. I'm sure those yeah. are in there, right? Right? <laughs> I don't I don't I'm know if I recall say. that one, Devendra. Oh boy. But, but I would agree, Jeff, with everything you said and uh, I, I mean, fundamentally, it's kind of uh, an adventure detective story at its core, right? Mm-hmm. And that part is okay. You know, it's it's fairly rote, but it is all the little stops they make along the way that are really, really enjoyable. Yeah, uh, it's just it's just so funny. I laughed out loud so many times. Um, and I gotta imagine that Disney Plus or Disney, whoever commissioned this movie, wanted kind of a sh- more straightforward reboot, and instead got this incredibly meta hilarious trenchant cutting product as a result and we as film consumers can all be extremely grateful for that so yeah i feel the same way i felt when i walked out of the lego movie and went Mm -hmm. how Mm -hmm. how is a movie based on lego bricks this good that's that's the same feeling i have here is like this this movie should not be as good as it is i mean it's even the thing about the Lego movie though is like you don't need you don't need to know any of the references to maximally enjoy it. And I feel like there's some characters in this movie, Jeff, that if you had no if you didn't know who they were, the movie would make less sense or be less funny, you know? Well, um, sure. Yeah, it definitely make less sense be less funny, but I don't yeah. think would uh, you know, invalidate it as a as an enjoyable experience. I mean, my Correct. Five-year-old who's you know about yeah. To so I want to hear yeah. How did your kids enjoy it? Because I'm watching this. I'm like when I'm watching this, I'm thinking me, David Chen. I am enjoying this greatly. I can't imagine children are having as good a time as me watching this because they probably don't understand what's going on. But what did your kids think of this movie? This movie is 100% made for adults, mm-hmm. but is accessible to kids, and kids love stuff that's made for adults. They love stuff that's made for adults. Like <laughs> a kid doesn't understand what it doesn't understand, right? My mm-hmm. my kid has no concept that it missed a reference. You know, it's just mm-hmm. having a great time with Chip and Dale, and you know the the you know the, there's a scene where they dive into a toilet. 
you know, like my kid <laughs> loving that, you know, they jumped into a toilet, you know, it's the, so it, 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 there's enough just, you know, pure kinetic fun uh, to be had. And, and there are plenty of characters my kids know from other things as well. You know, there's not, and, you know, there was a, a moment where my kid like reached out to the screen, he said, oh, dad, there's a robot. And I was like, that is Soundwave, a transformer from the, <laughs> okay, all right, okay, son, yeah. yes, a robot, it was a robot. Um, <laughs> so, you know, the, I, 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 I agree with you in the sense that this is 100% made for people that were alive and aware in the 90s when this show, in the early ass 90s, 91 or whatever, when this show was part of the Disney afternoon. Um, but I also think it's just, it's just a fun, goofy ride that is well-made and has a lot of genuine goofball laughs that aren't just, it's not, it's not an episode of family guy, you know, it's mm -hmm. not just like, Hey, remember when, like it's using yes. all of the references to make new jokes, you know? Um, and I think that's, that's pretty awesome. I agree. I agree. Uh, so I had a great time with Chippendale Rescue Rangers and, if you grew up in the 80s or 90s and you have any vague recollection mm -hmm. of the original show, I think you will greatly enjoy Chippendale Rescue Rangers on Disney+. Plus. Um, anything else you want to say about it, Jeff? I mean, I just think it was a great uh, yeah. time. Yeah, it's a great time. It's it's truly great. It's it's so much fun and so funny. I mean, I wish I could call out specific jokes because <laughs> there's so many great ones, but I don't want to ruin anything. Yeah, um, but yeah. I, I also mm -hmm. think it's it's a love letter to just animation in general. You know, the, yes. the many flavors of animation. It really it doesn't play favorites. It like it's an equal opportunity. There's a there, there's a a moment where uh, you get to see Chip and Dale done in like a dozen different animation styles, like mm -hmm. one right after another, and it's so awesome. I like I want to go through frame by frame and pull them out because it's so it's so cool. great and smart can, can yeah, we confirm that the 80s and 90s uh like cartoon openings th those were the best right yeah, like they, they've never gotten as good as those catchy opening songs mm -hmm. almost no way, every man. show had it yeah yeah it was good and that 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 is re referenced as with every other component of the show that is referenced uh -huh. in in the movie as well um but yeah i i agree and and basically be as you said, Jeff, this universe, the universe of the Chippendale Rescue Rangers is like a universe in, when, like, in which like Chippendale were actual creatures that yeah. starred in a show in which Chippendale went on adventures. Right. And so as a result, like there's all these like fake movies that exist in this universe. Um, yeah. that you well, it don't... acknowledges that thing that we yeah. also, us of a certain generation also know, which is that you would go to, you know, the, the video store and you would see whatever the popular movie of the time was, you would see the cheap knockoff version of that. Mm -hmm. This this film acknowledges that those things were being made in, in those in that period, and it has great fun with that as yeah, well. That like yeah. you know, you would go and see an Aladdin, and there would be you know a, a cheap knockoff version of Aladdin that you would just be just be there to fool grandmas, you know? It's just... Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I, I, like in addition to that, I was referring to like, you know, all the fake movie posters throughout the movie that oh, you see are yeah. really, really entertaining. And it's because oh, I think the p fake movies exist, I think because in this universe, animated characters actually live in the world. And so there's like more of those kinds of movies is my sense. Yeah. Um, I, I more wanna, more I wanna, like crossovers. You know? I'm going to spoil one of them. So skip ahead okay. 10 seconds if you don't want to. There's one, <laughs> There's a. you just see a billboard for... Meryl Streep is Mr. Doubtfire. Yes. Well, that that one doesn't even make any sense as to why that would be in the universe. It's but, so yeah. funny, though. <laughs> that was just like, why is that there? Yeah. 
Um, but anyway, Chip and Dale Rescue Rangers. It's so available good. right now on Disney+. Plus. Uh, check it out. You'll have a lot of fun with it. You'll have a lot of fun with it. Okay. Speaking of things I had fun with, Star Trek Strange New Worlds, streaming right now on Paramount+. Plus. A show that, for some reason, Jeff Kanata will not watch. It's like, I, it's like kryptonite to you, man. I can't yeah. explain it either, guys. I, I'm the only one in the world that just I just can't get through the first episode. <laughs> I started watching episode one of this show, and I, it, I actually found it to be moving mm-hmm. because it brought me back to a time uh, when uh, you know I was watching and really was in love with Star Trek. And uh, fundamentally, the message of Star Trek is. Uh, there is hope for humanity. You know, like humanity has a future that we are going to go through some really tough times, extremely tough times, according to the mythology of this show. But that on the other side, uh, we will come out better, smarter, more curious, more compassionate. Um, That's ultimately what Star Trek was about. Uh, And I don't know. It brought back some of those feelings when I was watching (laughs) the first episode of Strange New Worlds. Didn't love that the first episode has a strong tie-in with Star Trek Discovery and a plot that I had no idea what was going on there. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, you, I watched, you, get, you catch up to it pretty Yeah, quickly. but I watched yeah. the second episode and I was like, okay, this is basically a classic mm-hmm. track where like, you know, every every episode they're like meeting a new civilization and like dealing with problems around that civilization, you know, and it's just like, it's great. I think Anson Mount is great as Captain Pike. Mm-hmm. Um, he has amazing hair, which is canceled out, unfortunately, by Spock's hair. Uh, which is absolutely <laughs> terrible in the show. It's just it, it well, is. Fox it, it has is, never had good hair. Come it on. is absolutely so. atrocious on its face. Like you look at it, you're like, that looks like a mistake. You know when you uh-huh, look at it. Uh huh. Um. So it's pretty rough. But I mean, I think Anson Mount had that in his contract. Like I can be the only one with good hair. I have the best hair in the show. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Um. But he's all. He's a great leader as well. Like he's he's very charismatic and has a lot of gravitas. Mm-hmm. And a, a lot of irreverence to him. He's a little bit flip, yeah. you know? Would, would have made a good superhero, yeah. Mm, mm, this indeed. guy. Yeah. So, if he could talk. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, <laughs> what mouth? Um, so, anyway, uh, Star Trek Strange New Worlds, uh, I've been watching, I've watched the first two episodes, and I'm probably going to keep watching. You know, it's not a show that I'm like, is going to be must-see television for me, but it's like, man, this brings back feelings of old Trek. And uh, I really, really wanted slash needed that also you know as time has gone on you kind of realize some of the problem how problematic star trek is to some degree mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. um you know the federation of planets is kind of a colonial body but it's like colonialism stripped of some of its worst yeah. tendencies so they're trying to maybe be good. It's like, they're trying you know they have these directives yeah star trek is like uh, starfleet or or you know the federation is kind of like a militaristic-esque uh, entity as well and going around colonizing planets and it's like mm, that's a little problematic but the biggest issue is like wow I can't believe they used to just send the captain down on these away miss- <laughs> missions every single time do you know what I mean like yeah. Yeah. This is we're sending down the dangerous. most important yeah. person on the ship in down into the, like this well, that, extremely unpredictable situation you know that yeah. was what was so brilliant about next generation is that it went let's keep Picard <laughs> on the ship most yes. of the time apparently that was why they created the character of Riker was so like mm-hmm. they'd have a character that would, it would make sense that they beam down someone that wasn't the captain every single right. time, you know? No, he was supposed but, to be the, the cur- he was supposed to be the dashing fun guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then it just, they, you know, happened to cast Patrick Stewart, who's freaking awesome. And then yeah. that, that changed quick. Yeah. But 
you know, don't don't beam down the most important guy uh, when you're do, into a perilous. No, it's the most important situation. three guys. They're literally like, let's take the doctor, <laughs> the science guy, and the captain. Yes, before they assign Liter- red shirts, you know, literally yeah. the three most important people on the ship. <laughs> We're sending into 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 a place that we have no idea what the outcome's going to be. No idea what the outcome's going to be. So, anyway, Star Trek: Strange New Worlds available on Paramount Plus. It's releasing week to week. First three episodes are out right now. I also had a chance to watch Jackass Four Point Five. Now, uh, <laughs> Jackass fans such as myself, uh huh. We'll already know that every well, what jackass do you refer movie, to yourselves as, by the way, jackassians, I believe. Uh, jackasses, um, okay. <laughs> there is jack's uh, ass. <laughs> jack's ass. The proper plural is jack's ass. Uh, the every movie they have a point five, like two point five, three point five, where there is basically an entire movie's worth of footage mm-hmm. that they record that, that doesn't make it into the final film. Oh, so it's like, I thought it was like a, a director's cut, but no, it's, it's no, no, it is an a whole entire separate thing? 90 huh. or it's a hundred minutes of additional things that were not in the film. And in addition to that, uh, there's also interviews with the people. It, it's actually, in my opinion, a more conventional slash enjoyable film watching experience than watching a, like a regular Jackass movie because Jackass movies are just like a series of stunts. Whereas this actually, you have interviews with the guys and they're talking about the process of making the film and stuff. And so I always find the 0.5 movies to be quite interesting as well. Uh, and uh, this Jackass 4.5 is no different. I will say that the only thing that struck me about this is how traumatized um, some of the guys are from Jackass 4.5, like the problem with being in a Jackass movie is you never know if it's part of the bit or not. Like you, 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 there is a feeling that you are never safe. Like at any moment you could be about to go pee. You could be sitting down and relaxing at any moment. You could be thrown into a pit of snakes or someone punches you in the back of the head or any, and it creates this kind of like ambient anxiety that eventually curdles into this trauma that some of these guys experience and um i felt it guys i felt it while watching jackass 4.5 i felt a little bad for these guys i was wondering like are like maybe the damage that has been done to these guys is a little bit permanent you know yeah yeah or, or do, do you hold yourself accountable at all for any of this 100 percent. am i i'm yeah. complicit in the traumatization of these guys are you not perhaps? entertained <laughs> and, and the thing that really is shocking to me davindra is uh-huh. That, like, I, I've looked up some of these guys' net worths on <laughs> the internet, and it's like uh-huh. every single one of these guys should be like net worth at least five to ten million dollars. Yeah, I don't, I don't the think they're, they're uh, yeah, they're, they're, they're the best with finances. Not the case. This not point. the case. I'm like, I, I, you, you would not be able to get me to do any of these stunts for less than one million dollars. Yeah, like, you're telling me, from, uh, you're telling me that a guy that'll get his nuts <laughs> eaten by an alligator for money <laughs> won't be good with money? <laughs> uh, that that was very sad. I'm like, oh, yeah, you know, Knoxville's doing well. He's he's mm-hmm, quite rich, mm-hmm. but I'm like, man, I really wish these guys were better compensated because if you're willing to destroy your body, like Tom Cruise or Jackie Chan, you know, mm-hmm. you really should should get that sweet cheddar. Um, they should. That's the, that's the least we can do. Unionize jackassers, jackass union. <laughs> yeah, jackass four point five available for streaming on Netflix. If you have watched any of the jackass movies or any of the point fives, you already know the deal with this. Uh, but check it out. It's on Netflix right now. It just came out, and um, 
I don't know if I can watch another one of these guys. Dave, I got bad news for you. You should see what people are willing to do on YouTube for just a few views, Mm. let alone no money. (laughs) Got to stay away from that. And TikTok, yeah. God. That is what I have been watching this week. Hey, I need to jump in here and tell you about our sponsor, Fast Growing Trees. Spring and summer are the seasons for finally getting outdoors, for entertaining, for pool parties, for barbecues. But if your yard looks like a plant cemetery, you're not going to enjoy it as much. Get your place looking like a resort easy with fast growing trees. When it comes for caring for your plants, know-how matters. And I have none of that. That's why I like fast growing trees because fastgrowingtrees.com's experts curate thousands of plant varieties that will thrive in your specific climate, location, and with your needs. When I moved to Colorado, I had no idea what my climate was like. I'd never lived anywhere but California before. That's why I turned to fastgrowingtrees.com because I knew I could get the right plants for my location without having to know anything about anything, which is usually my MO. And I hate waiting in line. There's no waiting in lines with fast growing trees and there's no messy cars from hauling plants all over town because you order online or over the phone and your plants are shipped to your door in one to two days. Plus, their growing and care advice is available 24-7. Whether you're looking for increased privacy, shade, or adding some natural beauty to your yard, fast-growing trees have the perfect plants and the expertise to help you find them, which is really the most invaluable part. I do not have a green thumb. No part of me is green. And if you're like me, then fastgrowingtrees.com will make you feel like you do. One million home gardeners have already seen what fastgrowingtrees.com can do for them. Plus, their 30-day alive and thrive guarantee means you can trust everything will be healthy for years to come. Go to fastgrowingtrees.com slash filmcast right now, and you'll get 15% off your entire order. Get 15% off at fastgrowingtrees.com slash filmcast that's fast growing trees.com slash f-i-l-m-c-a-s-t all right uh devinder harder what are you watching yeah just a couple of things uh, i've been watching the lincoln lawyer on netflix and this is a it's an adaptation of the original books that inspired the the, the mcconaughey movie um but the books are by michael Connolly, the author of bosch and let me tell you, this is some good dad TV. This is some good uh, Bosch light. I'd say it's it's not like at the at the level of Bosch, but uh, it's it's pretty good. It's about a lawyer who spends uh, most of his time uh, riding around uh, L.A. in his Lincoln because traffic is so bad. It's easier to work out of his car as he's driving from place to place. Um, it is very much you know uh, the it's a it's a legal procedural. Um, written by uh, David E. Kelly, created by David E. Kelly. So it's very much like in the vein of all of his shows. Um, I think it's interesting that, first of all, the lead character is played by a Mexican actor, uh, Manuel Garcia Rolfo. So uh, like instantly, this show has a different vibe than, you know, uh, maybe the the books as they were written. So I kind of appreciate that aspect right. to it. Or the, or the Matthew McConaughey film, right? Yeah. yeah, or the McConaughey film. Yeah, so it is it is interesting to see it done like that. I like a good bread and butter legal thriller, guys. Like uh, the the good fight 
is still on hiatus. And I think that is one of the best shows on TV. And that's where I get my like legal fix every year. Um, but if that show's not running, I, I need something else. So this show um, has some really cool cases. It kind of centers on um, a murder case involving a tech billionaire. Um, has a cool cast. Uh, Nev Campbell is in this playing uh, one of his ex-wives. Uh, I just like the vibe of it. I like a good procedural where you like everybody. Um, it's not like it doesn't ever get like, it's never like big action or anything. It's all like simple uh, mysteries and, uh, you know, uh, simple situations. Uh, I will say there is one character, one actor who threatens <laughs> to derail this entire goddamn show for me. And mm-hmm. I'm looking at Angus Simp- Sampson, Angus Sampson, who plays Cisco on this show. This is apparently his one directing um, or uh, his idea for his character is to do Batman voice <laughs> and just do bad Batman voice when he looks like a, a like a pudgy biker dude doing Batman voice. Maybe so that's just he, his voice, dude. Have you thought about is it, that? Maybe I, his voice. Uh, I, I think like halfway through the season, he loses the Batman voice. So I think at some point somebody was like, "This is not working. What you're you're re- bringing down this entire show around you. You got to stop." Also, um, he's uh, he's in Mad Max Fury Road. Uh, he is. As well, he's yeah, yeah he's yeah. kind of the. Um, I think he's the guy that gives uh, ber- he delivers that baby that ends up not surviving in Mad Max yes. Fury Road. Yeah. Yes, yes, I believe so. so. Uh, and he does not have I, a Batman voice in that movie, as far as does I not. can recall. P- so. People have told me like maybe that is just his voice. No, no, it's not. Clearly, it's not. <laughs> um, but whatever he was doing early on the show is horrific. Uh, please uh, move past it if you just want like a good, easy legal thriller. I think the show is worth a watch. All right, uh, that's the Lincoln Lawyer. It's on Netflix. You know, speaking of. Uh, the uh, Bosch, you mentioned Bosch just now. Yes. I-, I read this article last week um, that I thought you'd appreciate in GQ at GQ.com by Emil Niazi. It was called In Praise of the Soothing, Life-Saving Comforts of Bosch. Ah, yes. And yes. It, was about, um, <laughs> it was about this person who moved to the United Kingdom to take a job there uh, and like had a baby and like was extremely stressed out and felt like her life was falling apart around her. And she says, quote, at exactly 5 p.m., I would rush to my son's daycare, hoping to avoid the 20 pound a minute late fees and then spend the rest of the evening covered in sweat and breast milk until bedtime. (laughs) But at night after the baby was asleep, I'd watch Bosch and feel my existential panic dissipate for the next 47 minutes. Bosch will save us all. End quote. Yeah. What yeah. a what an endorsement! Uh, now <laughs> I, I've heard Devinter recommend Bosch for five years and uh, straight. Yeah, and that's yeah. the first time I'm like, maybe I gotta watch that Bosch show. Watch that Bosch. It's gonna yeah. dissipate your existential despair. I basically. need that. I need that. <laughs> you have no idea how much I need that. <laughs> yeah, uh, and uh, Bosch Legacy, of course, available right now on Freevee. So Freevee, yeah, check that out. All right, Devendra, uh, you had a chance to watch. A documentary that I'm interested in watching. Yeah, I saw uh, the first two episodes of George Carlin's American Dream, the new, uh, I guess it's a documentary series about him by Judd Apatow and Michael uh, Bonfiglio. Um, I, uh, Jeff, I feel like you, you must be a big Carlin fan, right? Oh, huge. Like, huge. I, I yeah. cannot wait to watch this. Yeah, I think I you will love this. You will love this. But he is, he's always somebody whose work I've been like tangentially, like uh, sometimes I hear a quote or something, or like I, I'd see like a, uh, like a, um, an actual piece from him or something. And I always think like, man, that guy is special. Like, man, mm-hmm. he he is just like really, um, you know, c- 
calling out all the bullshit in the world and i want to i want to be more like this guy uh this show um this documentary like really dives into like what makes him tick uh his beginnings as like a very like straight laced like normal like 50s comedy guy like in a comedy troupe and everything and his transition over time into more of a counterculture guy um I, i think it's really interesting there's a lot of his material in here and then there's also a lot of like you know, stuff about his life and his issues with uh, drug addiction and his like, you know, troubled marriage and everything too. Like it is, it's an unflinching look at his life, uh, the good and the bad. But I think it's really, really interesting. It made me really think like, man, we, we kind of need more of these kind of folks right now. Like it is astounding to me that, um, you know, somebody I really admired in this respect, like Dave Chappelle, Dave Chappelle 15 years ago, you know, kind of this, this truth teller, it it made me so sad that that guy has turned into I'm I'm going to crap on these people who are, you know, so vulnerable in society. So that made me sad and it makes me wish uh we still need a new George Carlin or somebody of this uh of this vibe. Um if you like his stuff or if you if you like don't even know his stuff, I think it's worth checking out. Um, because is there a good a like overview of, of who George Carlin is. Do you think? Yeah, it like, is. If you, it is like if, it's a good yeah. overview. You get a lot of his comedy, and so much of it is just like applicable to today. Like right. the things he's talking about. Like he's he's when he's railing against Reaganites in the eighties. Like it is it is conservatives today, basically. Which um, is which, yeah. which is an endorsement of him as a as way ahead of his time, but also yep. an indictment of how little we've progressed. How yeah. little and how much worse it's actually gotten. Yeah. Like not just little like. Um, yeah, we, we are in a dire state here in America and things are regressive in so many ways. And I'm worried. Um, and watching this just makes me think like, man, it, yeah, we, we need more counterculture voices. And he was, he was such a great one. So I think it's worth watching for that. He alone. is, he has the definitive, like five minute standup routine mm-hmm. about abortion. Yep. And about it, abortion, the words you should never say. Well, that good, of course. Yeah. Yeah. Good old yeah, time. I mean, but it, 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 and it was making the rounds again for obvious yeah. reasons recently, yeah. and it's just it's just staggering how right he was thirty years ago. You know, it's mm-hmm. crazy. Mm-hmm. Same song. Yeah, that's George Carlin's American Dream. It's streaming right now on HBO Max. Mm-hmm. What else have you been watching, Devendra? I want to shout out the third season of Love, Death, and Robots, which is a show you guys should be watching and all of our listeners, I think, would appreciate. It is an anthology series uh, co-created by Tim Miller, you know, the director of Deadpool and Terminator Dark Fate. Um, yeah, I've heard season three is really mm-hmm. solid uh, of this it's show. It's pretty solid. They're yeah. all good. Like, they're all good. As an anthology, you know, some shorts uh, work better than others. Uh, I think this one is really, really good, um, especially because it has the animation, the animated debut of uh, David Fincher. Like his first Ooh. animation direction uh, piece, it's a, it's about a ship and there's a giant crustacean, and I'm not going to say any more. It's really good. Like if if you like Fincher, you should go check out Bad Traveling, um, his short on season three of uh, Love, Death, and Robots. But there's good stuff all around. Like um, they bring back there's the first uh, sequel short of this uh, of mm. the series, uh, Three Robots, uh, that was written by John Scalzi. For the first season, they come back this time, uh, directed by Patrick Osborne. And there's mm-hmm. some good stuff all around, too. Uh, Jennifer Young Nelson, uh, I, I interviewed both her and Tim Miller on the Engadget podcast, so I'll be shining that out later. But she does a thing called Kill Team Kill. She's also like the animation director of the season. Good stuff. If you guys like animation, and if you want to like see um, di- many, many different forms. There's like h- high end CG. There's uh super like realistic motion capturing. There's one called Jibaro that has like some of the most like 
uh, realistic motion I've ever seen. And it's just absolutely gorgeous. And uh, there was one that was even, um, I believe it was uh, constructed in Unreal Engine. So it feels a bit like a game, uh, like a game cutscene. But I know a lot of animators are talking about using real time animation uh, to create like feature shorts and short films and stuff. So I, I think in that respect, that one's worth watching too. That's called Invaulted Halls Entombed. This show's really good. If you like animation, if you like the stuff I've recommended, you should be checking it out. Uh, yeah, Love, Death, and Robots season three is out now. All right, that's what Davinja's been watching. Jeff Kanata, what have you been watching? Well, as I've mentioned several times uh, in the last few years, uh, I'm always on the lookout for really great half an hour comedies. That the, I feel, I feel like the hour long drama you know, prestige TV drama. Mm -hmm. There's too many of them to watch. At at this point, it just, it's overwhelming. And I love some honey for your Ozark, basically. (laughs) Exactly. I love, I love an hour long drama. I love great prestige television. You need something that's fully lit, you know, like you need these things in the show, Jeff. (laughs) Well, I, you just need a little, you need, sometimes you just need a a little dessert or a little uh, Mm -hmm. appetizer Mm -hmm. before you get into your main meal. Sometimes you just want to sit down and, and laugh a little bit and not have to sit there for an hour. And and I feel like for the the overabundance that we have of the hour drama, the, the, there's too many to even watch at this point. I don't I feel like there's a dearth of great half-hour comedies. And fellas, I have found a, a a great one and I've also found in finding a new great one a little formula that I'm going to stick to from now on. And that formula is follow Molly Shannon. Because mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Molly her. Shannon's in it, chances are I'm going to love it. Uh, because the last time that I felt this way was with the, with the other two, which is a show I really heartily recommended on this program. Uh, I still think is, is just one of the great half-hour comedies of recent years. And now I think I've stumbled on a new contender for that throne. It is the new Showtime show, I Love That For You, which is a show starring uh, one of my favorite recent Saturday Night Live cast members, Vanessa Bayer. Uh, you may know her as like the... Uh, she, she's, I love her because she is a, a, a comedian who has this brilliant glowing smile mm-hmm, that she mm-hmm. often uses to mask a uh, deep pain and anguish in her characters. Yeah. Barbara and star the, 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 she, she's really great in that too. Yeah. Yes. Um, she's fantastic. I loved her sketches. She did a great, uh, the sketch of, of playing a, like a young, uh, you know, like a, like a 10 year old kid who wants to be a, a Broadway star and is just overacting. And it, uh, she's great on Saturday Night Live. This it, it really capitalizes on her talents as well, because she plays uh, a sort of naive young girl who, has always dreamed of her biggest dream in life is to host a QVC like show an analog to, to the home shopping network, uh, selling products. And in the first episode, she achieves that dream. It's all about her, uh, integrating into the world of selling products on a home shopping network. Uh, and her, her mentor is Molly Shannon. And in a lot of ways, I kind of feel like uh, in, on Saturday Night Live, Vanessa Bear was sort of the new Molly Shannon. You know, they have a, a, a very similar comedic vibe, in my opinion. Um, and so they work so great. This show is hilarious. Hilarious. I absolutely love it. 
And it's got also this kind of dark thread that runs through it. Um, but I mean, gosh, there's so many great lines. Uh, it, all the characters are so well drawn. You just know who these people are. They're all sort of um, uh, catty and backbiting and and trying to climb the the ladder of success at this home shopping network. Like that's the biggest thing they could possibly do. Uh, and and Vanessa Bayer is so great delivering that. I'm just so happy, but inside I'm dying. You know, and, and oh, she's great. She's so so great. There, are, I mean, it's got that sort of um, you know, curb your enthusiasm style. Uh, it hurts to watch, but it's so funny. You know, it's you're you're cringing inside because of what the character's doing, but it's still so so funny. Um, so I love that for you on Showtime. It, worth the Showtime subscription in and of itself, in my opinion. All right. I love that for you. I've seen the ads for this and I, I love the, that it captures kind of the aesthetic of those kind of QVC things. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, so anyway, I'm looking forward to trying to check this out. I love that for you. What else have you been watching, Jeff? I also checked out a new show on uh, Amazon Prime streaming called Night Sky. Have you guys heard of this show? No, heard I've of heard it. of it though. Yeah, I haven't yeah, had yeah, a chance actually, to check yeah. it out. Mm -hmm. Well, I will tell you this. Uh, I think the first episode is absolutely captivating. Uh, I would I would be surprised that anyone could watch that first episode and not be completely drawn into this show. I have now watched four of the eight episodes from season one, so I'm halfway through it. I have no idea what this show is about. <laughs> I've, I have no idea where it's going. I have no idea what it's leading toward. There's characters uh, that are being we're spending time with, and I'm hanging out with. It. I'm like, what? I have no idea how you relate. It's to like this. it's like you're watching the whole show, Jeff. The the, the other what? one, the one about outer, the whole outer range, oh, outer range, the whole show, yeah, the whole yeah. show, <laughs> the show about holes. That's yeah. how I talk about it with my parents. The whole show. <laughs> I was like, the That's whole all show. It is. It's a whole. I, I haven't watched the whole show. I watched half the show. Uh, um, but yes, so this is uh, J.K. Simmons and Sissy Spacek uh, who play a, a, an elderly couple mm -hmm. and gloriously so. I am telling you, mm -hmm. it is this is an acting clinic by J.K. Simmons and Sissy Spacek. You, so the, the chemistry between those two is incredible. And it's, it's characters that you never see on screen. Mm -hmm. a, characters that have been together 40 plus years still very much in love like each other have this lovely little life together and in their basement they have a secret a, a sort of science fiction secret uh-huh it's, it's a hole isn't it it's a hole it's a hole it is actually <laughs> a, hole. a hole i've heard it about is, the show yeah yeah i mean it's it's a hole that does something i'm not going to spoil it but um <laughs> It is, it's another hole. Is it show. actually a hole, Jeff? Well, it's more than a hole. It's more than a hole. It's, it's a hole a, What's the difference it? between a hole and a chamber? You know, <laughs> that's it's a room. That is more, that's that's a hole to be more of an antechamber yeah. if you think about it. <laughs> yeah, it's a uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> anyway, the first the first episode is exquisite. I mean, it, I don't know if we do pilots anymore in the age of streaming TV, but if this was the pilot, I totally understand why this got picked up. Uh, it, it is exquisite, exquisite. And like I said, I would be surprised that anybody would watch that first episode and not be like, oh, I'm in on this show, which is what I was. And now I've watched half of it. 
And I will tell you, it has become a very slow burn mm-hmm. to the point where I'm like, I, I'm still in. I'm still <laughs> yeah, in, yeah. Uh, mostly on the strength of J.K. Simmons and Sissy Spacek. But I, I really want something to make sense <laughs> at some point. This is why I'm still watching Servant, too. It's like the same thing. Like, we're so far in. You just have yeah. to keep going. Yeah. yeah, I'm pot committed at this point. Like, I, I'm, I'm going to mm-hmm. watch this show to the end. And I, I was like, I really wanted to watch at least one more episode because uh, invariably it'll be like, oh, the next episode is when it all comes together, you know, right before I talk about it on the on the film cast. But, you know, <laughs> I, hopefully the next time we do uh, what we've been watching, I'll have finished all the last four episodes and I'll, and I'll have uh, a report as to whether it was all worthwhile. Yes. But uh it, it is it is a slow burn. I mean, it after that first episode, things really slow down. We start introducing all these other characters, and I'm just like, why are these people relevant to our story? I, I'm still in. I'm still in. I'm like, I'm really intrigued. I want this to add up to something. I sense that it will add up to something. I feel like there's a lot of lot of chess pieces being moved around the board, and I don't understand the game we're playing yet. Because it, it is a sci-fi premise, but I don't even un, I don't even have a sense of what brand of sci-fi we're talking about, mm-hmm. right? I mean, this could be a show about werewolves for all I know. Like, like it, it literally could, and I have uh-huh, no uh-huh. idea if it is. You know, so you I should I, watch Outer Range after this, Jeff. Like, I think it's it's a good vibe compliment. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, anyway, mm-hmm. I, I recommend it. I think, like I said, I will be able to give a more hearty uh, recommendation. I hope, or a a stay away. Uh, recommendation uh after i watch the last four if it if it actually you know leads up to a worthwhile moment but like i said that first episode and and just the relationship between them is so beautiful it's so so beautiful and rarely do you see actors in that age category allowed to be the centerpiece of a story like this and to Mm -hmm, have mm -hmm. a relationship that is that is genuine and and it just feels wholesome and lovely and sweet. And I mean, there is conflict in the story. It's not that there's, it's not full of conflict, but but it has a basis of trust and love. And it, it just not the kind of relationship you see dramatized on TV very often. So mm-hmm. it's, it's really lovely. Well, that's Night Sky. It's available on Amazon Prime Video. Speaking of long, slow burns that seem to go absolutely nowhere. Ozark yeah. season five, part two, Jeff. I am loath to even bring this up, David. I'm loath to even bring this up. Uh, How many holes are in the show? Uh, there are a number of holes. Uh, with stuffed with no. bags of cash. Ah. Yeah. Um, I, maybe there will be room at some point for an After Dark where you and I can go toe-to-toe on this mm-hmm. show for real. Uh, but the I'll tell you the experience of watching the last seasons, the the final season of the show was broken up into two parts. Yeah. It, it was constant. My poor wife, it was constantly be, <laughs> me turning to her and going, how does Dave not like this show? Oh, I'm so, I'm so sorry. If you're listening to this, Jeff's wife, I'm very sorry. Oh, I she apologize. does not listen to this. Yeah. Okay. Good. My, my wife <laughs> has started God. watching, my wife has started watching Ozark and I have found myself uh, increasing my TV brightness for her because it's <laughs> the middle of the day. Bright sunshine. You cannot see anything in this show. Oh, so. Ozark is not meant to be watched in the day. Gotta love it. Yeah. <laughs> you, 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 you could have ended that sentence three words early. Anyway. I, um, I, 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 I simply, I think there are, a oft, 
certain times where where either of you will express an opinion, and I won't share the opinion, but I will at mm-hmm. least you at least understand. To, I will right? be able to yeah. see where it came from. I will go, okay, yeah. well, David Devendra, I get it. Like I get that th- it's not for them, or I see why I would like it, and maybe they don't, or they make a good point about the flaw here or there. I am baffled at how you how the disdain you have for what I consider to be one of the great dramas of recent times. I think Ozark is so thoroughly entertaining and riveting and smart and fascinating. I, I just, I don't understand how you don't like it. All I'm going to say is I've had a lot of people come out of the woodwork um, <laughs> in the last couple we- a few weeks to say, wow, Dave, I disagreed with you about Ozark until season four, part two or season five, part two. <laughs> And now I, now I agree with you. Like someone in the Slack film cast actually said, this is like Game of Thrones uh, esque in terms of how quickly the show collapsed in its final season. Um, and I could I not agree. disagree I, more. I, I, I think th- that was my question: is like, are you going to be someone who believes in the show until the very end, or are you going to actually think that, um, like Game of Thrones, maybe it was good until this point, but you cannot possibly believe that this these final episodes were not an embarrassment. Um, I, I, I but, do, do not think they were an embarrassment. I thought, the, I thought know. the show ended in a bold, very satisfying, shocking way. I thought it was baller at the end. I mm-hmm. thought, I thought uh, it, 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 you know, there are a number of shows like this, which are all sort of variations on the breaking bad concept and and a lot of them predate breaking bad to, to be honest you know this notion of like a good person in a in bad situation or, or you know rooting for the anti-hero the shield comes to mind sopranos lots of these kinds of shows i think the shield has a great ending but very i i don't know of one that ended in the way this did which i thought was you know a zig when i would expect a zag and uh, I just yeah. it just blew me away. I'm I am I'm glad you enjoyed it, Jeff. I thought the ending was disastrous. Like it was, it made me it it soured me even further on the show if that was even possible. So I had the complete opposite reaction. I was like, my opinion of the show is already low, and it has been made way lower by the ending, particularly the last episode. Mm-hmm. I will say that uh, Laura Linney's doing doing amazing work in the show. No, it, like, it has. Uh, not one, but two of the literally the greatest TV female TV character yes. performances of all time. Y- yes, I think that's I think that's accurate. I, I would agree with that. I can agree with that. Yeah. I mean, I-, I can't think of another character in prestige television that even comes close to what Laura Linney is doing. Like it's yeah. it, she, she, she is great and like staggeringly she is, good. She is probably literally the only reason I kept watching the show. Well, and um. What's Julia Garner also very good, but I yes. think like I, and you know Julia Garner's won many awards, but like Deservedly I think so. and and yeah, I, I think she does great as well. But like Laura Linney is doing stuff that I'm like, this is really really interesting to me. Yeah, and, Laura Linney is like a a Rushmore level, not the movie, but like you know Mount Rushmore. Uh-huh, you put the uh-huh. four greatest yes. you know performances of a woman on TV of all time. Like she's one of them. Yeah, uh, I, I agree. It's it's really good. It's really good. Um, so we can agree on that. We can agree on that. I ju- I wish it was for a better show, but I think she does <laughs> great work. Um, but anyway, yeah, Ozark wrapped up its final season. 
Um, and it is available right now on Netflix. It's season four, part two, by the way. That's the the final season. Um, and I did watch every single episode of the show. So you know, yeah. Take so there's, there's take something effort. there. There's something. There's something. You know, you know who the real winner is, uh, me, because I've avoided this entire <laughs> drama. <laughs> I win. No, your, wi- your wife is pulling you into it now, though. No, 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 she's not. Every time I glimpse at the show, I'm like, what? What is happening? It's a, it's a baby. What's going on with the baby? <laughs> Every every time I step in, uh, Ozark feels like one of those shows they make fun of on other shows, you know? So I mean, maybe I, one day. I, I maybe thought there was some actual brilliance in season one and two. I'm sure. Like, I'm sure uh, there so is. Good. I mean, and then I season totally, three went totally downhill, in my opinion. But yeah. I, totally, I, I can totally understand someone's uh, objections to the color correction of the, of the show. I can mm-hmm. totally get that. Mm-hmm. It's not something that ever bothered me particularly, mm-hmm. but I I can understand somebody being sensitive to that. Other than that, I, I genuinely am baffled at any negative reaction to the show because it just feels so, I I was so down for the show every episode. I thought it was spectacular. Well, the entire run is available on Netflix. And so if you're out there, you can watch the show and then decide who is right, me or Jeff. A lot of people, I'm sure, want to weigh in on this. So yeah. uh, that's Ozark. It is streaming right now on Netflix. That's what Jeff Canada has been watching. Hey, it's time for me to jump in here and tell you about our sponsor, StoryWorth. I am so glad I gave my dad StoryWorth now two years ago on Father's Day because I always had a great relationship with my dad, but there is so much I did not know about his life, and I never really had a way into bringing up those questions. I never really had that moment where we were sitting down and I turned to him and I asked something profound. It was always small talk or uh, utilitarian talks, things that just needed to be talked about in that moment, but nothing about his life. But StoryWorth is that way in, is that structure. StoryWorth is an online service that helps you and your dad or father figure connect through sharing stories and memories. And it preserves those stories and memories for years to come. Every week, StoryWorth emails your dad a thought-provoking question of your choice from a vast pool of possible options. And each unique prompt asks questions that you've never even thought to ask, like, what's one of your fondest childhood memories? Or have you ever feared for your life? How cool is that? I loved reading my dad's answers to those questions. And now I've got those stories and memories stuff that I'd never even heard about in a keepsake book that I'll have and I can pass on to his grandkids, my own children. After a year, StoryWorth compiles all those questions and those stories, including photos, into that beautiful keepsake book the whole family can share for generations. Give all the fathers in your life a meaningful gift you can both cherish for years to come. StoryWorth. Right now, for a limited time, you can save $10 on your first purchase when you go to storyworth.com slash filmcast. That's S-T-O-R-Y-W-O-R-T-H dot com slash F-I-L-M-C-A-S-T to save $10 on your first purchase. Storyworth.com slash filmcast. All right, folks, let's get to weekly plugs. We're going to do weekly plugs. 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 
plugs. Plugs. Weekly plugs is part of the show each week where we plug something else we've been creating. Uh, I had a chance to chat with the fellows over at the Bald Move podcast, baldmove.com. They've been recapping TV for 10 years, recapping TV shows like Game of Thrones. They actually uh, were one of the top Game of Thrones podcasts because they had the foresight to name their podcast the Game of Thrones podcast, (laughs) which at the time, uh, HBO was like, what even is a podcast? And so right. they came up first when you Google Game of Thrones podcast. Smells, sounds right. like a very bold move. Indeed. Indeed. Uh, but yeah, it, beyond that, they obviously also have a great uh, following and fandom uh, because of their incisive television insights. Please, please and, explain the title, Bald Move. You know, uh, I don't actually know the answer to that question. Um, uh, I assumed but, that's why you were invited on. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Is this uh, just a bald commentary? Oh, the, the explanation is available on their website, baldmove.com. Uh-huh. Um, so it's it's Jim and Aaron, and uh, Aaron writes, Jim and I grew up as huge nerds. Gaming of both the board and uh, video variety, as well as Star Trek were ways of life. Frequently, when an opponent would do something rash, unexpected, or bold, we would cast a steely gaze across the table and say, that's a bald move, Picard. Because Picard was bald. Terrible puns are funny, and now it's the name of our podcast network. So there you go. There's your answer. Anyway, huh. uh, we've we've always had that kind of mutual admiration going on, and I had a chance to <laughs> uh, chat with them on their. Uh, they do a Patreon podcast called Empire Business. They used to recap uh, Breaking Bad as well, uh, and we kind of spent an hour talking about our anxieties about the podcasting industry. Um, so if you want to check that out, check out their Patreon. I also have it on my Patreon for, uh, $10 plus donors, uh, patreon.com slash Dave Chen. But yeah, uh, was really grateful to chat with baldmove.com about what it's like to be a podcaster these days. Devinger Hardware, your weekly plug. Oh yeah. I want to talk about the, the latest episode of the Engadget podcast. We dive into the crypto crash and what the hell happened there. Uh, uh, sorry if anybody's holding any sort of crypto right now. Uh, things look are looking really rough. We have on Manda Farrow from the Virtual Economy Podcast to so, like break that down with us. And as I mentioned, I have an interview with the Love, Death, and Robots people at Woo! the end of that episode. So go check that out. All right, check out the Engadget Podcast. How about you, Jeff? Your weekly plug? Well, I have a a page over on the Cameo website, cameo.com slash Jeff Canada. I offer limericks and personalized messages there. And I had an experience this week uh, <laughs> where I realized, I think I'm doing a really good job. Uh, wow. Much better than many of the other people at a much higher price point on that website. <laughs> <laughs> or maybe you're just well, working too hard, Jeff. Mm-hmm. Maybe, mm-hmm. maybe. But yeah. I, go ahead, Dave. Well, yeah, if people want a customized Cameo, they can go to cameo.com slash Jeff Canada. Yes. And what exactly will you get for if you if you go to that website and and purchase your services, Jeff, I tell you what you won't get the bare minimum. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You will not get the bare minimum. Uh, mm-hmm. I uh, I will happily craft a personalized limerick for you, uh, like the kinds that I I say on the show every week. Uh, built around your prompts for your friends. Hey, Father's Day's coming up. Great time to buy a limerick. Of uh, fathers love limericks. It's a it's just a father thing to like and. I don't just deliver the limerick and that's it. Uh, I also, uh, you know, talk a little bit. I feel like I, I want to give value for for the money that people are spending on this. And uh, I, you know, I, I I take pride in making it feel like a uh, a, a 
good purchase. It's just evidently not how all the people <laughs> handle Cameo. Hmm. Hmm. Interesting. Well, uh, check Jeff out and ca- on Cameo, cameo.com slash Jeff Canada. I want to give some weekly plugs for the show as well. Uh, you can find more episodes of this podcast at thefilmcast.com, obviously, but you can support it by going to patreon.com slash film podcast. Uh, sign up for ad free episodes and exclusive After Darks. This week, we'll be discussing Top Gun in the After Dark. Uh, we'll have some Jurassic Park rewatching going on in the next uh, couple weeks as well for the After Dark. And patrons will get the Top Gun Maverick episode early this week before Memorial Day. Uh, so check that out as well. Of course, we never want you to donate if it in any way causes you financial hardship. If you want to support us without giving us any money, it's very easy to do that. Go to uh, any podcast platform like Apple Podcasts. Leave us a star rating or a review. We would really, really appreciate it. All right, let's get to our review of Alex Garland's Men. Hello. Hi. This is Marlowe, yes? Harper, yes. Do, come in. The words I have to say. It's a beautiful house. Would it just be you staying? Excuse me? Mrs. Marlowe? No. Until you give your love. There's nothing more that we can do. Apple from the garden? Yeah, it was delicious. No, 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 no. Mustn't do that. Forbidden fruit. Oh, God, sorry, I... I, I, I'm joking. Oh. Uh. You're tormented. It feels more like... Wanted. Yeah. Something happened. My husband went upstairs to our balcony and let himself go. You must wonder why you drove him to it. Why I didn't drive him to it. That was from the trailer for Men, the newest film from writer-director Alex Garland. You're listening to the film cast. Joining us today. She is editor and film critic over at SlashFilm.com. Hey, I think I've heard of that site before. Fai <laughs> Chen Bui, welcome back to the Filmcast. How's it going today? Hey, thanks for having me back, guys. And things are going well, you know, as well as things can wow. go. You never hear that in media, by the way. Like, things are going fine, just peachy. So that's good to hear. That's good to hear. We're glad to have you on for this review of Men, new film by Alex Garland. I'm going to read the plot from here from IMDb. A young woman goes on a solo vacation to the English countryside following the death of her ex-husband, end quote. Wow, seems like a, a lovely time she's probably going to have. Yeah, nothing um, bad will happen there. Men received a D-plus cinema score uh, this week, so it was not super well-liked by audiences. It also made less than $5 million, so you're probably not going to have that much more of an opportunity to see it in theaters, but (laughs) anything that Alex Garland does is inherently interesting, and so that's why we're talking about it here on the podcast. Kwai Chen Bui, let's start with you. What did you think overall of Men? So, I was one of the first to see Men. I got to see it at a special screening in New York, uh, where they held a Q&A with Alex Garland, Jesse Buckley, Rory Kinnear. And um, I, at first, was really excited and uh, intrigued by the movie, the last 10 minutes specifically, which we'll go into a little later. But um, I 
I consider myself a fan of Alec Garland. I really loved Ex Machina and I really wanted to love Annihilation. I feel like I'm one of the minority to say that I only liked Annihilation and I felt like I was missing something or I wasn't as over the moon with it as many other people were. And I actually even went to see it twice in theaters just to see like what I was missing and why I didn't have that deep connection. And there are parts of Annihilation that I absolutely adore, like the Tessa Thompson scenes um, and the trees. And I thought that was something that I wish leaned more into. And while men, I don't think is really on par, or at least as coherent as either Ex Machina or Annihilation, I remain intrigued by the movie uh, if I've cooled to it a little bit. Um, But my first main thought after watching it, and still to this day, is uh, is Alex Alex Garland doing okay? (laughs) (laughs) Mm -hmm. Are any of us doing okay? You know, (laughs) I read a New York Times interview that I think it was Kyle Buchanan uh, did with him. Yeah, uh, it was... Kyle Buchanan interviewed Alex Garland, and the headline was, Nobody makes films like Alex Garland, but he might stop making them. And a part of the interview is about how he doesn't like directing films, um, and he does it only because he has to. Well, also uh, because he doesn't trust other directors, basically. Mm-hmm. Like, he's been burned enough where he's like, right, I, right, right. I'm, I'm just going to do this myself. Yeah, I, you. I, you know, he's yeah. like Thanos, like, I'll do it fine, I'll do it myself. But he's yeah. not happy like Thanos. Um, and there was a question. <laughs> the stew-making Thanos, yeah. Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> there was a question during that interview where uh, Alex Garland says, quote, um, I'll find myself, he, he doesn't like the kind of, being a showman part of being a director. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so Alex Garland says, I'll find myself standing in front of a group of extras saying, all right, so what's happening now is da-da-da, raising my voice and being encouraging and intense. It just feels incredibly (laughs) performative. Whenever I watch a chat show and I see the host engaging in witty banter with a guest, I look at them and think, what if they're feeling really depressed right now? Here's the requirement (laughs) for a quip. Here's the requirement to be interested in something you're not interested in. And inside, you're feeling incredibly bleak and existential. It always mm-hmm, makes mm-hmm. me shudder. I almost can't watch those programs because I feel that so strongly. And my version of being a talk show host is standing on a film set, end quote. Well, <laughs> this my, is why he, ver- he, he did a whole movie uh, with no extras. Mm-hmm, That's true. Mm-hmm, yeah. That's true. <laughs> he did a whole movie about he, how he hates himself and all men. Essentially, mm-hmm. indeed, <laughs> indeed. But uh, but yeah, th- you know that's Alex Alex Garland's version of doing a talk show is uh, directing a film. My version of doing a talk show is uh, do- making the film cast, guys. Um, uh-huh, I just want you uh-huh. guys to know that. So uh, uh, you know, equally <laughs> equally as as full of anguish for you, Dave. Yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent. Yeah. So every well, every just day is torture. I'm sure. Yeah. Yes. Oh, yes. Yes. Then Devendra, um, our job here is done. what if i'm feeling incredibly bleak and existential is the question i ask myself before we hit record every week um but anyway uh so yes i I would agree with you ht i'm worried about him um but he's still telling the stories that he wants to tell i think that's undeniable um but whether or not that's healthy for him in multiple ways Mm -hmm. you know remains to be seen whether or not he even understands the stories that he's telling himself is also remains to be seen (laughs) Did you say Alex Garland was at the screening you were at? He was. And I actually did um, a junket with him the day after. He was also very down on himself. It was a round table, so I didn't get to ask him one-on-one. But we were like, oh, you know, we we like the film. He's like, okay. We'll see how else everyone likes it. I I think he's a very, like, uh, you know, he's kind of an introvert. Like, I've done a couple interviews with him, and the best chats with him are just, like, me and him, and, like, Mm. just sitting and talking. Right. Yeah. And then we may enter into philosophy and, you know, deep things, but he doesn't want to entertain a crowd. I can't blame him. 
Yeah, based on that quote you read, Dave, a, a junket is like his kryptonite. You know, it's got to be like <laughs> yeah, the worst yeah. experience for him. I, I heard a story. I don't know if it was this. This is a screening you were at HT, but I heard like when he came down to introduce the film. You know, like usually the director runs down to the front of the theater, mm-hmm. and everyone was applauding because it's Alex Garland. And then he said, well, 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 wait until you've seen the movie. Yes, that was the screening I was at because he I was see. like, I don't know if you guys will still be applauding after you watch this. Yes, yes. Well, fair point, I fair love, point. If, like if anybody isn't, yeah. isn't watching the current season of Barry, which is a yes. work of genius, uh-huh. uh, it's worth it just to dip in to look at them depict the junket process mm-hmm. uh, on mm-hmm. that show, which is, uh, it's just exquisitely well represented uh-huh. as someone who's uh-huh. participated in that before. It is, uh, it's, it's pretty awesome. <laughs> yeah. I think, you know, Bill Hader used to be a fan of like, ain't it cool news? I think he still is friends with like the uh, frosty <laughs> from collider and stuff like that. And so like, he is very, very familiar with that process and, uh, they really nail it. They really nail it in a very depressing way. So, uh, Devendra, what did you think of yeah. men? Uh, not much of men apparently at the moment. Like we suck, but this movie, Hey, uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm still thinking about, it. I'm still thinking about it. It is to me, it's certainly like more, um, like harder to talk about than any of his other movies. And then even annihilation is a thing that was like very, um, artistic and relied on symbolism and, not like very clear about what was happening most of the time, but I thought it was like very beautiful and like, you could really like dive into the themes and peel a lot of layers from, uh, from that movie. I love annihilation and I, I've loved like, um, all of his later stuff, basically like once he started uh, directing his own things, um, I remember like back when he was working with, uh, what's his face? Um, train spotting guy. Um, Danny Boyle, Danny Boyle, Boyle. like he, 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 and he's, you know, even talked to me in interviews, like basically working with Danny Boyle and like the studios and studio interference for some of their earlier movies, um, like the beach and like the end of sunshine and everything, which everybody still craps on. He had no control over. So I understand the artistic desire to like, okay, I'm just going to do my own thing. Uh, because this is my vision. I think annihilation and devs is also really good. We, we did a whole episode about the, the Hulu show that's worth watching. I don't know what to think of this movie really. Like it is, um, it is, there's not much to dig into is, is the sad thing for me here. Like I think the, the metaphor of it and that's something, you know, we've talked about when it comes to like so-called elevated horror, um, the metaphor of it is so blunt that it kind of like knocked me out of like whatever the movie was trying to say Um, as a horror movie. It also is a little like, it's it's never made me feel as creepy as like the bear scene in Annihilation. You know, like there there was nothing that effective. Um, there are some like great stalking scenes here, but it, you know, it, it's kind of all over the place. And then we'll talk about the ending, which I think is um, borderline parody in terms of like how you would do mm-hmm. a movie like this. Uh, so yeah, I, uh, I I enjoyed watching it. I think he is always an interesting guy to see as an artist. Um, I think this movie is super unfocused and, uh, you know, men bad, men bad. (laughs) Well, I would say that I think there's actually a lot to dig into in terms of metaphors and representations in, in the Mm -hmm. movie. Things like there's a, there must be a lot of like biblical interpretation. Things like the green, the green man, you know, or Sheila Nagig, um, which is the kind of, uh, the woman with the, the, the female figure that's like carved mm-hmm. into the stone. Mm-hmm. Um, but 
I think you're, what you're referring to, Devendra, is kind of like from a from a plot or story perspective. In sure, the movie, right? like yeah. what 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 is actually happening here? And yeah. I I'm less concerned about like the specifics of plot and stuff. Like that's why I like Annihilation. Like I I'm fine going along for the ride, but I think the bluntness of the messaging hurts this movie quite mm-hmm. a bit. Yeah, Jeff Kanata, your thoughts on Men? Well, Dave, <laughs> I guess you could say my thoughts on Men is best summed up in the form of a limerick. I'm so curious about this one. So curious. Buckle up. (laughs) We all know the problem with men. You like how it's going, and then when it's over, you ask, was that the climax? And aren't satisfied by the end. Wow. (laughs) Amazing. Wow, Jeff. That was perfect. Yeah. Thank you. Incredible. Incredible. Uh... I'm I was, shook. I was, <laughs> and not in a good way. Um, I was digging this movie for much of it. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. I, I mean, it, as with all of his movies, it is beautifully shot, and the 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 visuals alone are so striking. I mean, the and not even in a you know not even in a sort of like creepy way. There's there are long stretches at the beginning of this movie where it's just like, man, I want to go to that place. That place is just wonderfully rendered the the, the uh-huh. sort of the foliage of a beautiful little out, village yeah it's just amazing and and the way the way the lenses that are used to to put um uh, uh jesse buckley's character sort of in the center of almost this fish-eyed view of this expansive empty you know she she's really going to this place to be alone and there's kind of a beautiful solace in that at the beginning of the movie and it's almost romantic it's it's quite beautiful and then as the mm-hmm. as the creepiness factor ramps up, I was really impressed with what he is able to do with such simple, almost like primitive theatrical effects, like mm-hmm, mm-hmm. lights going out, like literally so much of what is uh, creepy and disturbing and 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 uh, gets under your skin through the first, you know, third or two thirds of this movie, you could do on stage. I mean, there's just it. it it's simple. It's like the lights went out. Oh, but it works. Yeah, yeah. It's so effective. It's so it builds such interesting tension. Or the you know the way that Rory Kinnear's performances are are are, are, so, are so beautifully off kilter. I mean, I think both Jesse Buckley and Rory Kinnear are quite good in this movie, and so much of it rests on them. Mm-hmm. Um, Kinnear does he deserves like a special award. For this, I, I feel truly, like this dude for went being ninety percent of the cast. But yeah, no, no, I, I agree one hundred percent with that. But also, this is something that happens quite frequently in the theater, right? This mm-hmm. is this is something that that happens a lot. There are plays where there's a, one character and then a second, and then every character that that character runs into is played by another actor, mm-hmm. right? It, mm-hmm. It's frequent, and and it's it, it's such a theatrical approach that is used here. And there are filmmaking techniques, like you know. Uh, digital manipulation of his face or prosthetics or, you know, things that you wouldn't be able to do in the theater. But ultimately it's a very, um, it's a very, as I said, kind of primitive uh, technique or, or style. And I just thought it was so well done and, and so theatrical. And I was just so in on this movie and it has this, this wonderful melancholy and then this eerie question that keep, you keep asking what, what is really happening and then 
it, to my money, it just completely shits the bed at the end. I just, it, it <laughs> mm-hmm. almost, almost literally. Um, it shits something. Yeah. Uh, yes. It, 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 it it's just, com- to my mind, it just adds up to nothing. You know, it is as I agree with Devendra that it is so blunt and so it, it just it just kind of presents it all there on the table for you in a way that that I didn't find revelatory at all. Like it didn't it there was nothing mm-hmm. to take away from it other than literally the title of the movie. It's just like, oh, that's all you have to say that. Yeah, it, yeah. it was such a letdown to me that this is where it leaves the film. You know, <laughs> I, feel, like, I feel like. It, it it basically leads up to like a failed aristocrats joke. You yes, know? like that's so end. good. Man! Yeah. It's such a it's such <laughs> a good it? way of putting it, Vinger. That's such a <laughs> that's so a, a, a elegant way of putting it. Um, but yeah, I mean, I just walked out of the theater feeling completely let down. Like, oh, there should be another act of this movie. You know, there should mm-hmm, be another mm-hmm. something else that happens. You know, it's it's so. It, it it is. It feels like two thirds of a movie to me. It it mm-hmm. really is that big of a letdown. Well, I have only one question, Jeff, which is shortly before you saw men in theaters, you texted me uh, a bit frantically and you were like, hey, I'm thinking of taking my mom to go see men this weekend. Now, uh, that's not quite accurate. <laughs> that's not quite the phrasing. Uh-huh. uh-huh. Uh, because okay. I know I knew you. I had, I remembered you saying you had seen it early. Yes. yes. And, and I hadn't had a chance to see it early. And OK, yeah. I, you, I, I don't mean to represent, misrepresent. So you can. No, no. What, and, what and was so, the phrasing? And I recall the, you know, I didn't know much about the movie, but I, I had sensed some feeling that it was, you know, a pretty dark topic and that the mm-hmm. title, you know, suggested a, a dark topic. Yeah. And, and you'd already to... been kind of burned by taking your mom to go see The Northman. In the yes. And that same <laughs> situation, she was back in town. I mean, um, yeah. my wife, uh, my wife's birthday was this last weekend. I fled Atlanta. So uh, I wanted to do something nice for my wife. So I brought my mom into town to take care of the kids while my wife got to go and have like a nice spa day. Um, so she was here again and uh, I had to go to a screening, you know, at, at my local multiplex. And my wife said, well, can you take your mom to see the screening? She loves going to movies with you. And I was like, you know, fool me once, no! fool me twice kind of situation. And so I just wanted to confirm with you mm-hmm. the mm-hmm. thing that I already suspected to be true, which was mm-hmm. this is not a Jeff take his mom type situation. Yeah, w- which I did uh-huh. confirm. And I'm curious yes. now having seen it. Oh, yeah. Are you Very glad happy. you did not take your mom to see it? Very glad. Yes. Very glad. I mean, glad. we you you robbed us, Dave, of a brand new segment on the show of <laughs> Jeff's poor mom movie choices. Jeff's poor mom. Yeah. Jeff's Could you imagine mom. like she she went with me to see the Northman <laughs> and then somehow I made it worse? Like, like how do you even go worse from yeah. the Northman from a mom perspective? I feel like mm-hmm. there's some things for moms to enjoy in the Northman too. Like there's that whole mm-hmm, naked mm-hmm. fight in a volcano. Like that's enjoyable sure. for a mom, I'm sure. Well, and like it's uh, pretty straightforward it, as a revenge tale. HD, uh, I will I will relate to you. The audience has heard this already, but I will <laughs> relate to you my mom's review of the Northman. When uh-huh. we walked out, she said, why do people make movies like that? <laughs> that was my mom's review. So you can imagine, had I taken her to see men, <laughs> she would have walked out. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that would have been. And also, I mean, my of, mom is like, not her relationship to... to you, you know, she yeah. just like walked out. I am no longer your mother. Take care <laughs> of yourself. Will... Podcast about these <laughs> kinds of movies? <laughs> So yes, thank you, Dave, for not uh, misrepresenting the. Yeah, experience thanks a lot, that. Dave. <laughs> no problem. You're welcome. You're welcome. I I got your back, Jeff. I got your back. Thank you. 
couple quick thoughts before we get into uh, spoilers. I will just say, you know, my wife was asking me what I thought of this movie before we recorded this podcast, and and I I said, you know, I love it when a movie uh, has a lot of a lot of thought provoking material in it. <laughs> yeah, a lot of uh, images. Uh, it, while while it tells an entertaining story, you yeah, know, like you do both, I love it though, when right? a movie makes you think, mm-hmm. and then also does so in the process of telling an entertaining story. Uh-huh. Love it, love mm-hmm. it, you know, and. This movie is all about the stuff that's making you think without telling you the entertaining story, in my opinion. Yeah. I, I, I yeah. kind of agree. Yeah. It's it's all about like, look at this, look at this imagery, look at this metaphor, look at this cool stuff. But it it forgot the entertaining story. And you know, there's many movies, you know, that um they are straightforward narratives, revenge stories, whatever, and it, or horror stories, slasher films, uh horror films, right? That are, you know, the Baba Duke, Get Out, whatever, that are incredibly entertaining. Mm-hmm. And also, by the way, they can be read as a metaphor for grief or racism or what have you. Um, yeah. This and- has become such an epi- epidemic that the most recent Scream like directly commented on, get fuck off with elevated horror, okay? <laughs> like, mm-hmm. just just give up on it. Like, hey, give, me, give me scares, give me something real, give me something that freaks me out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that's what my big challenge of this movie is. You know, I know lots of people love Annihilation. I love Annihilation. I, yeah. You know, I, 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 I'm a simple man with simple pleasures. <laughs> I like my standard three act structures and the, sure, sure, sure. the metaphor, like being really easy to understand what the metaphor is. And, you know, and, 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 and having an entertaining story told to me that I can choose whether or not to read something into it. Uh-huh, um, uh-huh. And so, so you're saying, Dave, is this movie was furious, but it wasn't fast. Oh, it's so true. It's so true. Just, yeah. just the fury. But, you know, as somebody who adores Annihilation, I think that movie is so interesting because it's basically a series of set pieces and you can read a lot into it, you know, about the annihilation of the self and how you how we make up our identities and how we you know, how we explore each other. Like, I think it was doing weird. You know, it was a very untraditional narrative. But I thought it was more thought provoking than kind of what this movie tried well, to do. I, I, I would say Annihilation is two thirds to three quarters a really interesting sci fi mm-hmm. thriller. And then one quarter to one third at the end is very dreamlike mm-hmm. and doesn't really feel wedded to any conventional narrative structure at all. And that's what this entire film feels like. Yes, there's some mm. basics of a plot. But it's mostly just uh, about vibes, guys. It's a vibe. I kind, movie. I kind of, so well, I kind of it, dig that, though. So I want to yeah, say, as someone who yeah. I think is warmest to men, although I can't fully defend everything about it because everything you're saying is right there. The metaphor is clunky. <laughs> it's very blunt. But I kind of dig the maddening ambiguity of it. How it, mm-hmm. it's just mm-hmm. something that refuses to fully explain itself maybe he doesn't even know how to fully explain itself it's about sort of the untold mysteries of the universe and how it all relates to how men are evil and toxic masculinity and maybe it's also about grief Uh, i found that metaphor to be the most uninteresting part of the movie but i found everything else to be extremely interesting and intriguing at the least and um i have like I had like a spitballing random theory after I watched it. And I was like, I wonder if Alex Garland is doing a kind of 
sick riff on the creation myth with every one mm. of his films. So Ex Machina mm-hmm. with, you know, the AI, uh, Annihilation with the whole metaphor of like the cancer yeah. and like. I, I've seen several people compare this movie to like Mother. Yes. You know, mother. And Mother is another I, film. Mother is a ride yeah. and is a very blunt metaphor. But you know what? I enjoy that ride. That ride is yeah, hell of a time. You know yeah. what the thing about Mother it, it, is? I yeah. really, really enjoyed Mother until Darren Aronofsky started talking. Because mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, Darren Aronofsky yeah, accidentally it. made a really cogent and potent metaphor about how <laughs> the artist and the like the male artist is actually the most destructive force and will destroy and mine all of his relationships and lives of people around him for his own creative um like artistry and stuff and instead Darren Aronofsky is like actually it's about earth and i was like well that's stupid i like my reading better mm-hmm. i kind of feel the same way too, yeah. Yeah, yeah you can have your reading too men. i'm just like oh you know i feel like if I were just to like watch this movie, I'm like, oh, I want to come away with my own readings of it. I kind of want to mm-hmm. ignore the stuff about the grief and I come away enjoying it better than if I were to take it at face value. Yeah. I mean, the, the reason I enjoy Mother more um, is that uh, I, I think you can – For it is more – it is easier to have any readings at all. You know, like mm-hmm, you can mm-hmm. read on your metaphor into it about like the destructive male artist. Um, he, Darren Aronofsky, obviously has thoughts about uh, Mother Earth. Um, I, when I watched it, I read it as a as a creation myth, right? And it's about the, yeah. the creation myth, and like I really appreciate it. And it's like any of those readings is is valuable. Meanwhile, the movie remains like really interesting and entertaining throughout, in my opinion. Mm. Um, other people might feel that way about Men as well that they feel like they're entertained throughout, but like for me. Mm-hmm. Um, it just it, it yeah. became completely unmoored from any kind of conventional narrative structure. Totally, um, yeah. And so I, you know, it, it just is like to me. I, I am a fan when movies don't do that and can still be about something. Um, <laughs> so it's just not really kind of my type of movie. But I have some more thoughts. Let's dive into it in spoilers, starting right now. Now you're looking for the secret. Can I see this coming? No, but you won't find it because, of course, you're not going to see this coming. You're not really looking. I have been puzzling over how it works. You don't really want to work it out. Who's in the box? I have been dying to tell you. I want to tell you my secret now. You want to be fooled. I think, on a basic level, uh, there's there's two ways that the metaphor really worked for me at first before it became really weird at the end. Uh, one is that. You know, men are terrible, right? And we all we all know this to be true. Everyone on the podcast knows this to be true. And uh, and having Rory Kinnear play every guy is like, yes, they might be dressed differently, um, they might have different jobs, but fundamentally, they, they may be creepy children, creepy as hell, like <laughs> yeah. teenagers, yeah. creepy children oh with God. some pretty rough CG. My God! But at the end of the day, aren't they all just some version of the same guy? Right? Mm-hmm. Like that's mm-hmm. that's kind of what. The fundamental mm-hmm. thing uh, at play is yeah. it's kind of interesting to reflect also on like uh, the difference between how one actor playing everyone is deployed in this film and also Charlie Kaufman's Anomalisa does a very too. similar thing, but to much different effect. Um, and people can debate, you know, which one is more effective for them. But one of the things uh, that I did th- think was interesting before you go, go to the second point, Dave, is yep. the um, I did think that it I, I kind of gave the film credit for not having every interaction between men and Harper, our main character, uh, as some sort of uh, sexually charged interaction. Like right, right. The, the the sinister nature of men that she's dealing with, 
I liked how the film was like, yeah, there's a lot of ways that men are awful that have nothing to do with sexual conquest, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And I thought that was really cool because because I feel like the the lazier the lazier version of this mm-hmm. and, and not untrue, right? It, it's lazy because it's so true. Uh, is is how every man is, you know, just trying to you know, sexually dominate or, or uh, you know, uh, have some some sort of sexual relationship with every woman, especially if she, you know, if, you know, whatever. That I just thought that that it's interesting. I gave the film a lot of credit in the early stages of it because it was like there are a lot of ways that men are awful to women, and here's a film exploring a half a dozen of them, none of which are sexual in nature you know what well, i mean well the unifying or theme behind the unifying theme behind all of them um is that they uh blame her for right. the terrible things yeah. that happen and it's all, it's um, domination in a way too but yeah 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 but they blame her for the terrible things that happen which is why like mm-hmm. you know the movie's not subtle about like the forbidden fruit aka the very first time that a woman was blamed for um <laughs> For turning right. humanity bad, uh, which was the the myth of Adam and Eve, obviously. Yeah, but how would you um, know that the film was referencing that? Uh, Does Harper eat a fruit? She and says fruit, it? and then he literally was, says, "No, no, no." That was a joke. That was a joke okay, because of how yeah. fucking obvious this movie is, where it Sorry, literally has Jeff. her walk yeah. into somebody else's yard and eat an apple off of a tree. <laughs> I mean, she's Fair renting enough. the yard, right? So it is it is her rented apple. Sure. So so I guess what I'm trying to say with those two examples is that, or those two points I'm making is that um, I fundamentally like agree with the points the movie's trying to make. And we are also seeing this movie come out amidst a, what do you call it? Um, A social campaign against Mm -hmm. a woman, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, with the Amber Heard, Johnny Depp trial, a social campaign that, is so sophisticated and total mm-hmm. uh, that it has rarely been seen in modern times that it, to try to basically sully this person's name um, in a way that's like quite frightening. Um, and so I, I think like the message of this movie is extremely relevant. Um, I thought you were going to talk about Roe v. Wade for a second too, no. because that's also very yeah. I mean, sure, sure. But I just well. mean, I just mean like th- that is a campaign in which like w- like a woman is being blamed, yes, um, and, and targeted and kind of. Uh, having her reputation just completely annihilated um and in a way that uh just feels extremely relevant to like what this movie is trying to say about men blaming women all the time for anything bad that happens mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um and i i agree with the kind of message and its necessity and i disagree with the means in which it is being uh, deployed so uh it's it's just not particularly interesting as a narrative to me now that said uh the ending of this film is extremely fucked up and ht i'm curious like what your thoughts were uh you know what was your visceral reaction to the ending and kind of what do you think it all means uh and i'm specifically just talking about like the guys giving birth to each other yes <laughs> it wasn't oh, that, clear that, what I was that, referring that to. Thing. Yeah. That yeah. thing. Oh, that. I, well, as I opposed to the very like final shots of the movie, which are you know, which is a whole separate thing. Yes. But yeah, the just the guys giving birth to each other. Well, first, I love that it just t- goes on forever. About <laughs> yeah. <laughs> please or, explain how Bebby is formed. Like Bebby is formed. Okay, hold on. Or it just feels like it goes on forever. HT is that? I think it's like a full oh, yeah. ten minute sequence. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, yeah. Just just when you think you're done with one, here 
Here comes yeah. another, another one. one. <laughs> oh, man. I, you, you get to a point where you're like, how many roles did Rory Kinnear play in this movie? <laughs> yeah. You're doing yeah. the math of like yeah, <laughs> yeah. how long he, uh, was on the list. He filmed naked in like sub sub freezing weather for this. Yes. So like uh, boy, <laughs> yeah. poor guy. Poor you Rory. Gotta admire yeah. the commitment. Poor guy. But yeah, um yeah. HT, what, what are your thoughts on, on We know what happens there. when we get cold. Sorry. Well, <laughs> my first reaction was of course the what the fuck of it all. But then as it kept going on, I actually laughed out loud because of how ballsy literally um, <laughs> and brazen and gory and ridiculous it was um i actually liked this sequence uh even when it kind of came to the disappointing reveal of it oh it's her it's her uh, dead husband who had uh, fallen off of the their apartment and had um, shattered his his leg and been impaled through his face uh, and had his hand sliced open by a, a rail. And um, that, I think, was the least interesting. When it was happening, I was like, wow, is this actually my creation myth uh, theory coming to life again? And I was like, this is actually incredible. Like men giving birth to themselves without, with women entirely removed of it, only become more and more broken, bloodied, and inhuman as it goes on. But then it like turns into her ex-husband. I was like, okay. Mm. But I thought there was something really interesting going on for it there. And I did like, I did like how just like, off the walls that those yeah. visuals were of just like this bloodied Rory Kinnear <laughs> stumbling towards um towards towards a uh, uh Jesse Buckley and um his leg his ankle just like totally detached from him as he's like trying to walk towards her and then another Rory Kinnear like coming out of his mouth and um this is something that Devinger was mentioning beforehand and that that Alex Garland had spoken about in the press mm-hmm. tour for this that this final sequence was specifically inspired by the anime Attack on Titan which, which his is, daughter really loves apparently his, his daughter loves yeah. and yeah. it's really funny during the junket for this Alex Garland kept taking the conversation back to Attack on Titan and I was like <laughs> wow he really likes Attack on Titan what a weeb oh man <laughs> But um, yeah, one of the bleakest and most demoralizing pieces of entertainment I have ever seen. I don't know why anyone would willingly watch it. It's just a mm-hmm. completely <laughs> upsetting piece of uh, television. Um, but also, I could totally see how it led mm-hmm. to this sequence, sequence's birth. Because it's in, that, in that show, right, it, it is all about uh, you know people being attacked by these giant naked humanoids mm-hmm. who don't look like they look like vaguely normal people but there are certain exaggerated things about them that make them even more menacing and horrific it, it is a weird show but yeah it is so wild to me that 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 freaking anime has inspired alex garland to make one of the wildest endings you know we've seen in recent memory yeah and like that's kind of the reason why even though he does, doesn't completely land uh with what Ever the message of men is trying to say, I just I just couldn't um, you know get men out of my head because of that final sequence. And honestly, I just had to admire it for the gumption of it uh, and the brazenness of it. Uh, because well, it's just, you know, it's there's a lot of horrible videos on YouTube that you can watch that you would watch never those. be able to get out of your head. You know, it's like, <laughs> not getting out of my head is not exactly <laughs> bonus points in my book. I mean, fair, fair, but like, and everything is becoming samified in our movie landscape. Mm-hmm. Um, don't we like have to give some sort of kudos to yeah. a filmmaker who will still do this kind of thing in a major release of some kind, even if it's mm-hmm, probably going to mm-hmm. be out of theaters within like the week? Yeah, I mean, we're, we're, we're all we're gearing up for the next Cronenberg, you know, which looks like mm-hmm. a wild piece of body horror. And I am fully into this stuff. It's just like I feel like 
it was deployed as imagery and not as like meaning really mm-hmm. like or at least not that i can gather i will probably rewatch this movie at some point but man is it a tough watch and uh i kind of hated everything in the apartment scene too the flashbacks because it i it felt like i i still don't know who is harper like who is she as a person what really was her relationship with I her feel guy like and her, like, her yeah. husband too was even more flat as well yeah, he was just flat. a yeah. ball of anger and abuse and you really get no idea of who he is as a person Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I I gotta say though, uh, if we're on the topic of body horror, the 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 floppy bisected arm oh. is a, a work of genius. I mean, I think uh-huh. it is it is so disturbing and mm-hmm. so so well realized in mm-hmm. every aspect. Like, I, you know, I, I'm I, I was into this movie for a large portion of it. Like, I was like, go for it, movie, go for yeah. it. You know, be weird. And, yeah. Be weird. And and like how that <laughs> arm gets cut in half like that. That sequence is incredible. It's incredible. And and it's it, I mean, it is so viscerally disturbing. It is so it, on a, such a deep level. It is disturbing. And then the fact that it sticks around like that and and that, you know, Rory Kinnear's characters never ever refer to it as being a problem you know it's just part like there's a, a sequence still where he's using like, it he's like caressing yeah. her her uh, yeah, the cheek two with, sides like of that's... her face with yeah. one hand mm. oh, oh dude it, it so there's like genius level stuff in this movie mm-hmm. i just completely agree with with david devendra that that like i wanted to add up to something i wanted yeah. to be mm-hmm. for some reason you know yeah mm-hmm. i understand that too i'm not going to be like the movie's biggest defender because i totally get everyone's uh, like uh dislike of this movie and also kind of agree with it to an extent but i don't know the vibes the vibes hd <laughs> do you have any kind of do you have a do you have your own reading of the ending of this movie like do you have a reading of what what is going on there well i just ignore <laughs> <laughs> the ex, the husband stuff, and I'm like, it's the creation myth. <laughs> so when you watch I, a movie my I, way, then everything is great. <laughs> uh, I read an interview with Alex Garland where he said originally it was going to be like a CG transformation from one guy to the next, mm. right? At least and we didn't they were get that. they were toying yeah. with it, and they're like, there's just something about this that doesn't really. Yeah. It's, it's not as impactful as what he's the, the te- yeah, from, yeah, from 1994's black and white video by Michael Jackson. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> but yeah, I guess the the idea is that just you know my my own like my reading is just that like mm-hmm. and you know uh, each generation. I think you put it well, HD. Like each generation of men gives birth to like the next generation, sure, which sure. is equally bad or worse or as damaged you know as the previous mm-hmm. one. And that it ultimately all leads to her ex-husband, I guess. <laughs> I guess. Um, uh, that I guess. Part, that yeah. part was a little disappointing. Yeah, go ahead. Your joke, by the way, Jeff, is not too far off because I heard one idea was it was going to be more like an American werewolf uh, in London. You know, mm. like an actual bone-crunching transformation. And the rebirth, like the rebirth means something, you know, that they're birthing each other. I, I still don't quite know what, but it's certainly more interesting than a, like, you know, bone-crunching werewolf yeah, transformation. Yeah, I mean, this, this is yeah. like an all-timer... Yeah. terms of visceral reaction, you know, body horror sequence. Lots like, of people, viscera. People, yes. people, like, no matter what your opinion on men is, people will be talking <laughs> about that ending for a really long time. So Yeah, like that uh, ending. Nobody will see this movie. Is the, the rebirthing, thing, so. the toxic masculinity only, uh, 
gives way to more toxic masculinity, et cetera, mm-hmm. et cetera. It's a vicious I mean, cycle. Yeah. The, yeah, the yeah. simple things, like I love the the tunnel scene, which was actually mm. basically the teaser for this movie. Yeah, You've heard really just well like done. exploring this dark tunnel and like, yeah, yeah. listening to the echoes. Like she is cool. having this perfectly, you know, fun, pleasant moment. And at the end is just, uh, oh, uh, a person, a man gets I, up and I do ruins ask the entire guys, thing. Yeah. I do want to ask you guys about the green man. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. And the naked man that Aurora Kinnear, of course, plays and who who appears to stalk her throughout the film um, and grows increasingly more eldritch as the movie goes on, inserting leaves and branches into his skin and body until he looks like he's yeah. possibly covered and of tree himself. <laughs> he just saw the Green Knight. He's taking some <laughs> ideas, you know, <laughs> basically the same character. Yeah, yeah. The, that, that's where the, the folklore of this movie comes in. And uh, it's very little of it is explained. It's all incredibly vague. Uh, mm-hmm. You kind of get a sense that maybe every man in this village, every boy is actually a part of the same cult. Maybe they're under the same spell. Maybe it's not. Maybe it's just a, a metaphor for Harper's grief. Mm-hmm. Um, I kind of like that. It, you can't really tell that until like the end when you're like, oh, it is her grief. But I think the naked man does kind of throw a, a wrench into it. The green man, sorry. He kind of throws a wrench into it that he is there and he does kind of menace over the entire thing. And um, I, I don't know. I really like the the green man a lot and i like how he turns the movie into uh basically a home invasion movie uh-huh, yeah. uh-huh. well here's the thing guys i mean I, i'm uh, okay the the movie is the movie men by alex garland has a running time of one hour and 40 minutes and say what you will about the tenets of the first hour and 39 minutes of this film <laughs> but at least it was an ethos um, and you, it could be like, oh, this whole thing is super dreamlike and whatever. And then in the very last minute, I lost even more respect for this film than I already had in the previous 10, which uh-huh. was, it is heavily implied that what actually, like that many of the events that occurred in the last 10 minutes actually took place in reality, mm-hmm. which, which just, I don't, that, that ruined it for you. It makes absolutely no sense because here's mm. the thing, guys. Everyone in this town looks like Rory Kinnear, and that is completely unremarked upon by the protagonist of the film. Well, you know, maybe to I, so, her. Well, they I all like look that like Rory too Kinnear. because yeah. maybe she, you know, she's oh, under, she's going through grief. Maybe she right. just kind of assumes that this is just something that she's seeing, so she doesn't remark upon it. Mm-hmm. So but, kind of but that's like my point: that's, is that yeah. like you can interpret it as, the whole thing as some kind of fever dream, fugue state, whatever the heck. And then you get to the end, and it's like, hey, here's a thing that like indicates that this is all true and it's like or, or she murdered somebody what are you in, doing in movie? it's less I, interesting we, if it was all a doing? dream though if there was some yeah. foot in reality uh, yes. I think that makes it yes. more interesting that maybe it is yep. all of a Roy Kinnear cult I had I, I had the same reaction to you, as you Dave with the complete opposite feeling mm. where I was like that mm-hmm. is literally the only thing interesting about the end mm-hmm. <laughs> the only mm-hmm. thing interesting about the end is oh yeah. shit this wasn't just all bullshit yep. <laughs> it wasn't just a, a, a extended sequence of utter bullshit you know it was like mm-hmm. it was it oh that's that's mildly interesting oh, it leaves you with some over. interesting questions right because you're <laughs> yes. like you're like what what happened or did she end up like having a fight with just a normal person you know did she just like eviscerate a, a man that she thought was invading or something we we don't fully know yeah. what happened all we see is blood there's yeah. some other unexplained things too like the uh video that of the man that keeps popping up 
the sort of like disfigured Ugh, man it. that doesn't look yeah. like any of the other Kinnears that we've seen. Um, yeah. That whenever she's on a FaceTime call, so are we are we up. watching Pulse over here? Like she's getting <laughs> scary messages in her mm. FaceTime. Yeah. I mean, oh yeah, I mean this guy clearly knows how to tap into FaceTime. Um, <laughs> he's, so that, he's messing with the reception <laughs> yeah. since yeah. the beginning of Green Man folklore. It's always they've always had FaceTime capabilities. He's really um, been waiting for five G. Yeah, HT to go back to your, your original question about the Green. I think the the idea of including the Green Man, insofar as I have any interpretation of this film, is just is just to kind of. Um, is to kind of increase the scope, the aperture mm-hmm. of the film, right? To say mm-hmm. like, hey, men have been bad since for millennia, right? It's yeah. not just like the <laughs> yeah. modern day men, you know what I mean? It's yeah. not just like cops in this small Don't be town. thinking that just today's man is bad. <laughs> yes. It's like, you know, <laughs> yeah. since, uh, however, I mean, I, I guess it's been around since like uh, the 13th century, at least. Mm. So, sure. And so it's based on like years. earlier folklore too. Like it, ancient this Egyptians. Movie takes place, yeah. yeah. It's like this pagan movie takes place, folklore. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. It takes place in the English countryside, right? And that is an area that is rich with mythology and folklore and, and like so many men. So many so men, many but men. so much too many so men. much history too. And I feel like that the Green Man kind of ties into that the philosophies that like made up that that peaceful, idyllic place. Like we first see him in a rundown sort of looking house, right? Like he, he was just like a spirit wandering there and he sees this lady. He's like, Oh, okay. I'm going to follow her now. Um, there, there are some stuff we can read into that. And I love the idea of exploring the idea of, of human folklore and kind of what it means. I wish this movie maybe leaned more into that. Like give me more mm, of the like that. green knight uh, weirdness rather than, uh, you know, the, the, the actual very on the nose metaphor. I wondered how much Alex Garland actually researched the folklore that mm-hmm. he was pulling from for men. Um, I also feel like he thought, this is very visually stimulating and interesting. I'm going to put it in my movie. Um, I don't want to make any assumptions, of course. Mm-hmm. Maybe he did put a lot of uh, research into yeah, it and yeah. brought a lot of it Rory, into the film. Rory, how do you feel about leaves? <laughs> <laughs> leaves everywhere. Yeah, and maybe he's like, you guys can figure it out for yourself. But um, yeah, I also agree. I wish that there was a bit more of the folklore in there. Like, it doesn't have to be folklore heavy, but mm-hmm. something more along the lines of like Midsummer, where the, the folklore is a major driving force right, of right. the movie. I, I will say, though, uh, the character of Jeffrey is one of my favorite film <laughs> creations of the last few years. I, I, I love that character. Also, I love the description of him as crunchy. That's a word I'm going to be using a lot now for a person's personality that is just a, of that type. He's just so beautifully rendered by Rory Kinnear that you just know that guy. That he just uh, his like you know sad attempts at humor and his mm-hmm. you know awkward social interaction, all that's. And that moment where he like chastises himself, come on, Jeffrey, you know, that, I, I just, I, I love that character. I just, I was mm-hmm. so down with this movie for the beginning of, it. I just really thought we were going somewhere, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, you, you were, I guess, what were you looking for, Jeff? At the, like, if you enjoyed the first hour and, you know, 15 minutes, what were you kind of looking for, for the, for the final act? Kind of literally just- anything. <laughs> you know, like, literally like anything comprehensible to me right? to me the the movie felt so much like the beginning of the uh of the roller coaster ride where you're going click 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 and mm-hmm. i'm like oh there's gonna be something over this next bend i can't there's gonna be something coming it's gonna make it all worthwhile this click 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 uphill stuff and then it, you know it goes over and it's like guys giving birth to each other and it's like oh that's that's the entire ride that was the entire ride that we built up to right that's <laughs> <laughs> yeah. See, I think for me, uh, I think I like the 
the men of it all, the guys giving birth to it at all, I would take out the grief metaphor because I think that's mm-hmm. the part where it gets really clunky and it kind of mm-hmm. takes away some of the power of what the movie's even bluntly saying about men and toxic masculinity. Like, if it leaned more into the men. I mean, of course, <laughs> the fact that she had a traumatic relationship and she's still trying to recover from that, I think that that is a really major and an essential part of this of, her, of Harper's characterization. I wish there if there was Ar- if arguably the that, only part of her character. Yeah, truly. I feel like if there was going to lean into that, like maybe make something more of her husband than just that one flashback played many times mm-hmm. uh, in which he is basically a caricature of an abusive husband. Um so yeah, I I feel like if I just if I feel like it was if they just went went to the weird maybe a 20 minute birthing sequence that would be what I'd want. Would you guys think that, (laughs) let me ask you this question. Mm -hmm. Do you think the movie would have been improved any if either A, Rory Kinnear had played her husband or Mm. B, the person playing her husband played all the other men in the movie? Like we Mm. just had that right at the beginning and there didn't need to be any of sort of a reveal of that. Oh, and, and the last birth was her husband. You know, it feels like why not just unify that message right from the start? That was my yeah, big question, I, too. I, uh, sorry, go ahead, HT. No, you, you go ahead. That was basically what I was going to say. Because like, I was also very confused why, if she was seeing all the same men in this one village, then why her husband uh, was obviously someone different, if not just to go for the reveal of, oh, this is about grief. And I don't think, I feel like that was kind of a cheap reveal in the end. It should have been yeah. Rourke Nier as the only man throughout the entire film. Yeah. I... I f- agree with you, Jeff. That would have worked a little bit better, I think. And also, if the movie had been a 20-minute short film. <laughs> <laughs> and yes. 15 that? minutes of that, that yes. was the birthing sequence. Right. <laughs> I mean, because it's like, it's it fundamentally just has one idea, right? And it's that's true. What a short mm. film, it's true. That's what a short film is good for. It's good for, like, yeah. landing one concept and doing it really well. And it's like, you know, I think it would have actually... You know, I, I would have felt like, oh, that you know, that was a good know. use of my time. I, I feel but, like that would have made a blunt movie even blunter. So I, I, I'm glad <laughs> I know we it have, be, have it be one a TV other series. Man. Yeah, yeah, let's have the TV series. <laughs> we got to have a, an eight episode miniseries about eight this. hours of this. <laughs> yes, yes. Um, all right. Well, anyway, any uh, any closing thoughts on men? Uh, it seems like we weren't huge fans, but HT, you probably liked it the most. Yeah. I think I liked it the most. I feel like calling me a defender of it might not be completely (laughs) accurate, but um, I was there for the vibes. I was there for the birthing (laughs) sequence. I agree that the metaphor is lazy and unearned and maybe a little like problematic, but I, I think that it was ballsy. I am going to say it again. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, there's nothing else like to know. Mm -hmm. There's certainly nothing like it. HC, I'd love to know if like you go back and rewatch Annihilation, if like you, you know, you vibe with that differently now too. Maybe. I mean, I did see it twice in theaters. I wonder if I was just not in a good place for it or something. I Mm -hmm. I feel like I would vibe with it more, but I feel like maybe I wanted something different out of it than what I actually got out of it. So Mm -hmm. I, I I am shocked by how accessible uh, devs is compared yeah. to you know, like, uh, yes. a very yes. straightforward show narrative. you could show you know n- not everyone would like that show but it's like that is a regular TV show you know like yeah. and it adds up to re- something it has yeah. a beginning middle and there's end there's a beginning middle and end to that TV <laughs> show you know like yeah. and so uh, yeah. and uh, so he is still extremely capable of making that kind of work but he's mm-hmm. clearly going in a very different direction he I mean and, I know his next project is something for effects around civil disobedience and it's not gonna be sci-fi at all so I he, he's a man filled with ideas I want to see the ideas you know indeed yes. and at the end of the day it's incredibly impressive that during covid uh alex garland made a film 
you know? So, uh, good work. And it's, again, there's nothing else like it. And even though I really didn't care for it, uh, <laughs> I can't deny that it, there is some compelling stuff in it. I, I'm also curious, like, when I saw Mother, the Darren Aronofsky movie, I was like, well, that was clunky and obvious, you know? And, and, it wasn't until later that I really developed an appreciation for that film. I no. don't think I'm going to feel that way about this just because I'm comparing I, this unfavorably to Mother. You <laughs> to know? Mother. And <laughs> but, I, I walked out of, out of Mother just like afraid of humanity. Like that movie is so <laughs> effective at making you just like hate any strangers. Like what are you strangers doing in my house? You know, well, that's sort of thing when you have a party thing. and too many people come. Yeah. You want to hear a fun thing? I actually watched Mother with my mom. <laughs> Oh mm-hmm. boy! There you nice. go. See, it comes full circle. There we go. <laughs> I thought, Dave. I thought you were going to say, uh, "I I I appreciate men because it made me like mother more." <laughs> By comparison, you know, that would <laughs> like, be good. Oh, Mother's good. not as bad. Not as bad as this. You uh, might say mother is yeah. dearest compared to men. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah well, I definitely feel that. way. Yes, in general, I feel that way. But I didn't quite say it like that, which would have been maximally uh, effective. Anyway. Uh, let's wrap up, folks. You can find more episodes of this podcast at thefilmcast.com. Email us at slash filmcast at gmail.com. Our theme song comes courtesy of Tim McEwen over at The Midnight. Check out his new project, Varsity Blue. Our spoiler bumper comes from filmmaker and YouTuber Kyle Corwith. Our weekly plugs music comes from Noah Ross. This episode was edited by Beatty Zhang. HT, thank you so much for chatting with us today. Where can people find more of your work on the internet this week? You can find me at slashfilm.com. I'm on Twitter and Instagram at htranbui. And you can find my podcast, Checking Through Time and Space, on Spotify, iTunes, Google, all the regular podcast uh, platforms. And subscribe to my Patreon, patreon.com slash checking through time and space. Yes, I am a patron. Uh, and what is that podcast about, by the way, HD? Oh, it is a watch podcast for Star Trek and Doctor Who. So if you're a fan of either of those, if you don't know what any of those are, take a listen. <laughs> if that was just complete gibberish to you, uh, Trekking Through Time and Space, the name of the podcast. Yes. So check it out. All right, folks. Next week, we're going to be reviewing Top Gun Maverick. And if you are a patron at patreon.com slash film podcast, you will be getting that review early. Uh, so again, patreon.com slash film podcast. Thank you to everyone who supports us over there. Uh, and that will be the whole episode. It's just going to be a, a Maverick review. We're going to take it a little easy. It's a holiday, uh, but it should be a lot of fun. So again, Top Gun Maverick is the review for next week. Uh, and, uh, stay tuned this week for a Top Gun original flavor after dark. We're going to be talking about the Tony Scott film in this week's after dark. Again, that's all going to be available at patreon.com slash filmpodcast. Until then, we'll see you later.